Hey everybody, Chris Fafalius here. If you enjoy One Hit Thunder, which I'm assuming you do considering you're listening to it right now, I want to tell you about another great music podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. It's called Riffs on Riffs. On this season of Riffs on Riffs, hosts Toby Braswell and Joe Watson are breaking down one iconic pop song each week. Everything from Taylor Swift's Cruel Summer to Journey's Don't Stop Believin' to Naughty by Nature's OPP. Each week, they crack open the song, trace its history, decode those cryptic lyrics, and unearth the hidden gems in its musical DNA. Not only do they dive into the song's history, lyrics, and impact, they also go down some fun and oftentimes hilarious rabbit holes. So yeah, if you're a fan of One Hit Thunder, I think you'll also enjoy Riffs on Riffs. So go hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. Hey everybody, I'm Chris Fafalius and I'm the producer of Chris Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder Podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can check out our website at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number five. This week, we talk a little bit of Bega on the podcast with a little bit of Tessa as the guest. Tessa Markle is one of the hosts of Femme Regard, which is a podcast about highlighting female voices in the film industry. And she picked a song that's a list of names with Mambo number five. We dive into Lou Bega's Mambo's number one through four to decide if he brought the thunder or if the song was a little bit of blunder. And as I continue, you know they're getting sweeter. So what can I do? I really bag you, my lord. To me, learning is just like a sport. Anything fly, it's all good. Let me jump in, please in the trumpet. One hit is all you need to make the money guaranteed. And you can live off royalties forever. And it makes me wonder. All right, so to start this episode, I wrote a song to welcome our guests. It goes like this. A little bit of Tessa on this show made me listen to so much Mambo, but now we're going to talk all that we can about a song written by the Hat Man. Did you guys know he was known as the Hat Man? I didn't even know that. (laughs) It's one of the first things I learned, a Hat Man. Uh, hey, Tessa. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on today. And uh, beautiful song. I It sounds yeah. a little familiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this has been a song that from the very start, people have been asking when we're going to do, but what made you pick Mamba number five? <laughs> I mean, have some appreciation for this song. You know, it's one of those that 
it's like a classic wedding or, you know, event song, but it's also not overplayed to the point where it's just annoying when it comes on. Like, it's still fun. You still have that nostalgia when you hear it. It's not overplayed so much that it makes you sick of it. At least anymore. Maybe it was when it kind of came out, but. <laughs> yeah, I have no real relationship with this song. I think it's all right. I think it falls hard into the category of novelty music, which yeah. I say that a lot, but I never had an actual definition. So today I decided to look into what is novelty music? Uh, what is like the definition of it? And so I look okay. at the wet Wikipedia and a lot of times it kind of has to do sometimes with some sort of joke or something, which this doesn't really fall in that. Some examples of novelty music are Splish Splash by Bobby Darin or the mm-hmm. Chipmunk song, Christmas Don't Be Late or the oh, Monster yeah. Mash. So I don't know if this necessarily falls into that category. Uh, There's something about the fact that it's this list of names of women that presumably Lou Bega has hooked up with at some point. And I feel like that's been a little bit of a touchy thing about this song. What are your views as a woman on that aspect of this song? We got to get into it right away. I mean, I guess, you know, he's been interviewed and he's been asked, like, where do these songs come from? And he's never really been, like, super clear. He said, like, oh, you know, they're women from my past. Like, not really going into any more detail than that. And, I mean, hey, if I were one of those women and I knew that it was about me, I'd probably be a little offended by that. Like, oh, I'm just a random person from his past. But I know when this came out, which was... 1999 so I was like at 9 10 years old those middle school dances like if you were one of the girls who was in the song like you were the star while that song was on you know you were in the middle of the dance circle of all of us awkward kids dancing and yeah so just depends I guess if you're actually connected (laughs) so while I was researching this it was the first time I really sat down and read the lyrics like I, mm-hmm. like I can, when it's on, I'm like singing along with it, but I'm not really thinking about what the words are. And I think for the longest time, I've agreed with Chris. I always thought that this song was just like, and here's a list of every girl I've ever been with. But looking into the lyrics more, it seems like, and I'm going to pick one lyric specifically from the bridge where he says, I do all to fall in love with a girl like you. I think the idea is like, he's out at a club, he's looking for love, but there's just too many good options. <laughs> like, okay. he's like, we've been in the, there. Because, <laughs> like, I feel like even in the first verse, he goes, I like Angela and Pamela and Sandra and Rita, but then as I continue, they keep getting sweeter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I know that off the bat, I know all the women in the song, their name ends with an A. Tessa, you had to be so disappointed. I know. I'm always so close. You were so so close. close. So, yeah, I'm looking at these names. Are there? Yeah, there's some names in here of people like you guys know any Marys or Sandras or Tinas. That's the thing. Like, they're not super common names. I mean, they're not like ridiculously weird or rare, but like I know. Okay, so in middle school, again, when this song came out, like I went to Catholic school, we had like 13 kids in our class. So there weren't a lot of us. But there was like one girl whose name was in the song and she was Jessica. You know, none of the other ones. We didn't know any Sandras or Rita's or anything like that. The song's really similar to the song from the 50s, The Wanderer. I don't think I know it. What? Am I the only one that knows the Wanderer? <laughs> <laughs> this, what, what about this is like the Wanderer? 
Well, because like the Wanderer, it's also him. That, like I'm the type of guy who wants to settle okay. down. Like, and it's just him naming all these different girls. Like he's trying to settle down, but there's just too many options for him. I feel like it's okay. just the the '90s Latin fusion hip hop version of Dion's The Wanderer. Okay, I get that. I get that. Like the music video looks like it's trying to be like a hip hop rap video but with the latin style but i mean it's really like it's there's no choreography there's no real like order to it it's just kind of the girls dancing around in fringe everywhere and yeah it's a little bit of a mess actually <laughs> hey one thing speaking of a mess this song was you was going to be used at the democratic national convention in the yes. year 2000 is like one of the main songs but then there was a problem and the problem is the fact that one of the first names they say is Monica, which brings up, this is <laughs> going to be a major tangent, but that poor woman was dragged through the mud by everybody. I recently listened to a good podcast. I think it was Slow Burn, a Slate podcast, but it was all about the Monica Lewinsky thing. And oh my God, was the entire world horrible to that woman. And it is amazing that she came out of the other side and is now like outspoken about it and stuff because that was such like, why was she the one that we were all down on and everything? She was a young woman. I think she was like very early twenties and like, and her world was just, that's, that's a whole thing. Like you, that's a horrifying thing from our past. And I started reading about this. I'm like, damn. You couldn't use this stupid ass song because of that. That's how much of an issue they made of that. So, yeah, I don't know. No, totally. Yeah, I, I mean, Bill Clinton's the scumbag in the situation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. That's a whole nother tangent. Yeah. But when I learned that, too, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like who realized that? First of all, I like brought yeah. that up to everybody. Like, guys, a little Monica in my life. Not not going to work for 2000. <laughs> but that being said, Lou Bega himself seems like a pretty nice guy. I don't know if you guys I watched some interviews of him seems like a pretty good dude I, in general people had nice things to say about him he's surprisingly german <laughs> he's right a, i had yeah, no idea he's surprisingly born in germany yeah i had no idea until i looked that up and like his his some of his songs became hits in germany like he actually had more success than just this one in other parts of the world uh definitely some controversy with this song uh regarding the sample which mm -hmm. i went back and listened to the sample and i'm like yeah i i know this but did I know it or is it do I just think I knew it because I've heard this song so much? I think I know it. Right. I think I knew that song. The artist who did the original Mambo number no. five did a lot of like all a lot of his old records were used whenever you heard like Latin music in the movie Office Space. It was all that that particular musician. So I have to double check. I think the original Mambo number no. five is in Office Space. It's a little deep dive right, for the yeah, I know the I know creator. it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, also, if you've listened to the album, it's in every other song, pretty much. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, see, that's that's a definitely a quality of novelty music is that this guy, when I dug deeper into his music, there's a lot of songs where he just lists a bunch of women. I think it was mm -hmm. one of his other songs. There was a song that was like. I got a girlfriend everywhere. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Yeah, he just <laughs> this guy just <laughs> he just spreading that Lou Bega seed everywhere and singing about it is all I can figure out about this guy. That's his thing over Mambo music. Yeah, and the same Mambo song too. I mean, for ninety percent of it. <laughs> yeah, basically. You know, I read a pretty good Vanity Fair article 
with him from a few years back during the 20 year anniversary of this song mm-hmm. where everything they brought up to him that is funny about the song he laughed about it <laughs> you know he, he doesn't take it too seriously i don't think which is cool and in true one hit wonder form as we discussed in the tommy two-tone eight six seven five three oh nine episode Lou Bega knows that he has to play this song twice during his live sets he does play <laughs> it during his set he does play it again during the encore which is one of the signs of a true one-hit wonder for sure and I mean just the nature of the song like that opening like ladies and gentlemen this is Mambo number five like how can you not open a set with that I mean come on and as I read through this article too another thing I found out Lou Bega his name is actually David Lubega. <laughs> so he just he just separated he, he separated his last name into two words and made that his name, which for me would be Fafa Leos or something like that, you know? <laughs> or or something along those lines, which I think is pretty cool. That could be your next band name, I mean. I don't know. Did you guys watch the Tracy Morgan skit about this song? Did you guys see that? No. No. You didn't know that Tracy Morgan? No, Tracy. thanks to someone's Instagram, I saw the Bob the Builder version of this song, though. <laughs> Which is so weird, but it's so cute, but creepy. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Tra- the Tracy Morgan is a, it's a mock biopic that he did on Jimmy Kimmel, where <laughs> he's dressed in his, his hat and suit, and his father comes like dressed like a miner, and, and he, he says, I'm not working in the paprika mine, Pop. My dream is to be a Mambo star. And his, son, and his dad is like, no son of mine is singing Mambo. And, you know, and anyway, <laughs> goes on to some studio footage of rec- trying to record the first four Mambos, which doesn't work out. <laughs> he eventually wins the Nobel Prize for Mambo. <laughs> and Lou Bega thought it was funny, too. I saw, I saw uh, interviews of him and people asking about it. So. so you brought up the DNC thing, and this is also the unofficial anthem of the England cricket team. And I just feel like it's a really weird song to be the theme for anything. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, it's such a feel-good song, but it's not really like a pump-up song. <laughs> like, you know, to really, like, get a crowd going for, like, any sort of sports, like, cricket or re- regardless. But it is a feel-good song. That's why I think it's good for, like, you know, weddings and uh, events where we just have, like, white people of all ages dancing. <laughs> Like, Tub Thumping in Blur song two, this is not. (laughs) Hey, Matt, an interesting thing about this song, which we've talked about, you know, we'll bring Tessa up to speed on this, is there's this interesting period of time, late 90s, early 2000s, where all artists and music that was happy music got absolutely just knocked out of the picture after 9-11. And Lou Bega's second album was scheduled to come out around that time and then obviously it just got you know people weren't listening to happy music for a long time after that and uh Lou Bega was a casualty of that yeah I mean I've listened to a little bit of ladies and gentlemen which was his second album and like I, I don't think that there was going to be a whole lot of bangers that came out of it Regardless, his first single off of it was just him covering Just a Gigolo by Louis Primo, which is very on brand for Lou Bega. <laughs> Something I got excited about regarding Lou Bega was, yeah, he does have some covers out there. And I saw one of them was Give It Up by Casey and the Sunshine Band. And I was like, nice. I love that song. That reminds me of roller skating. And then I went and listened to Lou Bega's version. 
and it wasn't good. <laughs> it was oh, just simply not good. I, I can't even explain it. It just sounded like... Was it set to Mambo? Yeah, kind of. He, he just kind of butchered it. <laughs> I thought he was going to kill it, actually. And he kind of butchered it. Then I listened to Sweet Like Cola, which is a song. It's a body positive song for women sung by Lou Bega. <laughs> but basically, <laughs> somehow he's telling curvy women that he liked he likes them because they taste sweet like cola which i i don't know the how he got to that place i don't know if that means that he assumes that larger framed women enjoy drinking soda pop or and hence <laughs> taste sweeter to him i can't really i can't really put it together what his point was with sweet like cola everyone's just gonna have to take a listen and figure it out because i really couldn't (laughs) but i feel like that's a theme like he's not the only one that does stuff like that like uh what's that one mika song is it just called big girl it's like big girl you are beautiful but it starts out with like him sipping on a on a cola you know so there's there's that relation with like the the pop and the well soda pop wherever you're in the country but <laughs> that re- there's that correlation there like Lou Bega wasn't the only one <laughs> yeah true true this song came out so what Matt is this 99 this song this is 99 yeah 99 okay so, okay, it peaked at number three, November 13th of 1999. We are almost there. It's almost uh, a new century. And the songs that were also in the charts at the time, just so we could get a little bit of perspective here, were um, Satisfy You by Puff Daddy featuring R. Kelly. I don't even know that song. I and I was, I do either. I hate to say it, but I was an R. Kelly fan, but I, I don't know that one. It was more of a Puff Daddy song than an R. Kelly song, but like no one remembers this song. <laughs> right. And the number one song in America at this time, like, wow, what a wild time for music. Number one was Smooth. Oh, another favorite though. I get it. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Like if you told me that. In July, two of the three most popular songs in America were Santana Smooth and Lou Bega Mambo Number no. Five. I'd be like, totally. But like Thanksgiving weekend, when like the like <laughs> not the weather, I imagine for sitting around listening to like Santana with "It's a Hot One" like thirty inches from the midday sun. They do sound like summer jams. <laughs> I've liked Smooth more and more as the years have gone by. I think I didn't think anything of it. When it was on, then I think for a while there, I liked it just ironically because <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> and now I think I actually like it. And I think part of it is, do you ever watch those two kids on YouTube who listen to songs that have somehow never heard the songs before? Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? The YouTube kids? Huh. First of all, somehow they haven't heard so many of the most popular songs ever. And second of all, they love every song when they hear it. And I watched the one where they listen to Smooth for the first time. And they loved it so much. And it just kind of made me like it more. And plus, I love the Santana featuring Michelle Branch songs. Both of them are on my everyday mix. I think those are just some of the most perfect jams ever. You put Santana and Michelle Branch together. Every time it's a hit. We got to talk about the 2019 Scatman and Hatman uh, team up. Yeah. Tessa, did you listen to Scatman and Hatman together? I did. Did you ever think yeah. it would happen? Did you no, ever think I this? I mean, no. You, you were expecting it. 
<laughs> I wasn't expecting it, but you know what? I was ready for it. <laughs> you weren't aware of Scatman before today, right? No, I wasn't. How did you miss Scatman? That doesn't sound familiar. Does it ring a bell? It was in basketball. It did. Like when I when I heard it, I knew that little that little riff or whatever you want to call that scat, I guess. Um, I had heard that before, but I couldn't have told you who did it. I couldn't have told you when it came from or anything about it. I had just heard it, you know, before. But this episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake. And host of Krista Makes a Podcast. A songwriting podcast where every week... I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. It works really well together, though. Like, when you guys said that to me today, I was like, oh, it makes sense. Okay, yeah, they work well together. <laughs> you know, I know Scatman has passed away in recent years. They released that song. Was that post, 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 how do you say that? It was Posthum- 20, it was the 20-year anniversary. It was the 20-year anniversary mm-hmm. of Scatman's death. He died in 1999. So when did his song come out then originally? 95. Oh, okay. Okay. I was five years old, so maybe that's why I don't have, like, quite the memory of it that you guys do. I, I like how it's, like, a, it's just a direct mashup. Like, he even, Scatman does that line in that song. He does the beat up, 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 up. It's in yeah. there. Yeah. So they just mash their songs together. That's fine. That's cool. I mean, um, it worked. It was catchy enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did. I didn't mind it. Hey, I, I saw Lou Bega said a really cool thing. Uh, and everything was in that Vanity Fair article as well, but they were asking about how he feels about the 20-year anniversary of the song. And what he said, he said, people should be aware that time is tricky. You may wake up tomorrow and 20 years have passed. And I think that's that's pretty true. Uh, I mean, you know, the, Mamba number 5, I guess, it, what, it's 22 years old now? That's Yeah. That doesn't seem like an old song. It's three years away from being classic rock. <laughs> He's got a point. Yeah, honestly, when I looked it up, I didn't expect 99. I thought it was going to be like early 2000s-ish, maybe even like 2010. But yeah, <laughs> that surprised me too. <laughs> you got to pay attention to that stuff. And I, I'm not one of those people that's going to post online and be like, oh, if you see this picture of a tv with a dial on it then you're old or whatever like it's whatever it's just a normal amount of time but one thing that i saw recently that i thought was pretty wild is did you guys watch freaks and geeks do you guys Mm -hmm. like freaks and geeks one of my all-time favorite shows best one season show of all time i think 
Anyway, <laughs> that show was made in 1999, the same year that Mambo Number no. 5 came out. Interesting point. So Mambo Number no. 5 is out while James Franco and Jason Segel. So that's where they're all getting the starts of their career, the same year that Mambo Number no. 5 came out. And here's the interesting point I was going to make, is that Freaks and Geeks came out in 1999 and took place in 1980. So that mm-hmm. means if a Freaks and Geeks type show was to come out right now, it would take place in 2002, <laughs> which, <laughs> which is pretty wild, crazy, weird thing to think about. I don't know. Two, I guess 2002 was a lot different. I don't think of 2002 as being like super different. No, like the 2000s just kind of blur together in my mind. Like for me, yeah. it's like the 90s are a specific thing. The 80s were a specific thing. But like once you hit 2000, it just... I don't know. And maybe it's because we're of that age that it like, you know, time started to fly when we hit 2000. But 20 years removed now, like we're we're beyond 20 years since 2000. And obviously maybe 2030, I'll look back and it'll be different. But like, I can't think of like, you know, you see pictures of someone dressed in 80s clothes and it's definitively 80s clothes or like a definitively 90s look. But I don't think like. 2000s didn't have like a specific style it didn't have a specific type of movie it didn't really have like a specific sound musically like all of like the main things that you will like connect to a decade it was just like a hodgepodge of everything it seems like that's going to continue from here until eternity for the most part because like I've noticed that one of two things happened. Now we're getting into like retro style fashion, but like now that there's no radio, now that there's really no like MTV, people are so free to like just listen to whatever they're interested in. Mm -hmm. And like there isn't one defining movie or like one defining song that everybody's listening to more than like a couple months when they're like, oh, driver's license. Like everyone's hyped about that. Dude, that song's good. I Matt, you you talked about that song on a previous episode, like from a couple weeks ago, and I hadn't heard it. Now I heard it, and I'm like, yeah, that song's good. Do you know that song, Tessa? I don't know that I do. It's uh, Olivia Rodrigo. Yep. Okay. It's really yeah, good. You you'll inevitably hear it because it's it's like the number one song in the country, isn't it, Matt? Isn't it like yeah, it's, very popular. It's massive. Yeah. I might have even heard it and didn't know. <laughs> so Mamba Number no. Five was the second biggest single of 1999 behind Hit Me Baby One More Time. So, wow. 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 Britney was first coming out at that time. I went to a Britney Spears concert at that time and uh, I got a Britney Spears tour shirt. It was like a ringer with pink rings. <laughs> I used to wear it. <laughs> she was good. I, did you got? Did you guys watch the Britney doc? Not yet. It's I. It's going to be hard. It's going to be a hard watch. Yeah. 99 was definitely Britney mania. Yeah. Actually, now that you've brought it up, because I'm thinking about. In 1999, I was in eighth grade. I remember in eighth grade, we had an assignment for like one of our classes. I think it was English, but it doesn't make sense it would be an English assignment to do a music video. We could break up into a group of friends and we could shoot a music video. Me and my friends did like a a single take music video to Sugar Ray's Speed Home California off of their album Floored. But everybody else in our class, a very female heavy class, was like, Britney Spears, Britney Spears B-sides. She had a rule that you no one could do the same song. Yeah. So like everybody ran up there to get <laughs> Hit Me Baby one more time. <laughs> and then like one person did like, I still know this song because of this class, did Autumn Goodbye by Britney Spears, which wasn't even on the album. It was the bonus track on the Hit Me Baby one more time single that came wow. out because they were just like, we need to do our Britney song. That's a deep cut. <laughs> Do you guys remember what you were wearing in 1999 
what your style was in the year of Mambo number five? Well, I can say relating that to Britney too, actually. I had a friend who had a birthday party around that time that everybody dressed as like a celebrity. Like you picked a celebrity and you were like them all night. And I picked Britney. And my outfit was, I think, pretty indicative of the time period, but not really a Britney outfit at all. But it was basically just sequins. Like I was covered in just sequins and sparkles and anything that glittered. I feel like that was a very, like, 1999, early 2000 thing. Nice. How about you, Matt? I know know you know what you were wearing. (laughs) 98 to, like, 2005, my fashion was almost exclusively tie-dye shirts and Hawaiian shirts. (laughs) Wow. It was definitely those and some type of jort. I rocked a lot of jort during my middle school and early high school years. And all three of those things are coming back now, so. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of hate the styles that are coming back because it's like, (laughs) it's some of the like big clothes. Like, I'm not going to wear big clothes again. And I, I always think about, the people in their 30s and 40s when I was a kid who just gave up, and there's still people like this, just gave up on fashion altogether and just wore like golf shirts or like basically look like dorks, you know, like complete dorks. And But I won't wear big pants again. I won't do it. I had that transition. That's what I was going to say is 99 was kind of that transition from, yeah, in high school I wore some bigger clothes, but now it was like, okay, now it's cool to wear like clothes that fit and I feel like I've I've gone down that road ever since wearing clothes that fit or that were more on the like fitting side than huge. I would be content with I, I don't like the like when we're talking like the big clothes, like, you know, the jeans that the new metal guys wore, I was never into. But if the comeback of like 1999 2000s blank fashion came back like i'd be content with some like dicky shorts and some popped collars like i i didn't mind that look yeah i guess i was i was part of that a little bit i guess that is the difference is i don't think i would so much wear those billabong shirts with the three stripes across the middle anymore I, or or the socks up to my the black socks up to my knees i i don't think i would do that or the dicky shorts yeah it's funny when i look at old punchline photos we all wore big dicky shorts <laughs> and i don't i don't think i would do that again but like that is a thing now i mean as long as you like get specific with it and really wear you know the outfits that you would wear back then like that's hipster fashion now is it oh yeah oh man i'm out of touch with it damn it <laughs> well so we're talking about 99 i sent you a list of stuff we normally when i send chris information it's like here's what the top 10 songs like here's what the biggest songs were in 99 the problem with that i've started to realize is that like the charts are always going to favor pop music right above all else like that's always going to be the best-selling music of any year so i took time to do a deep dive on like what some of the other songs in other genres were looking like Mm -hmm. in 1999 as well So these were the ones that jumped out at me as like ones that really like stick in my memory or that we've covered on the show or maybe we'll cover one day on the show if we haven't already. So the ones that jumped out at me, we had Scar Tissue by Red Hot Chili Peppers was out at this time. We had All Star by Smash Mouth. I Knew I Loved You by Savage Garden. Okay. She's So High by Tal Bachman. Yeah, that was a fun song. I kind of forgot about that one. I Try by Macy Gray. Oh, I love that one too. Very good song. Probably the deepest cut of this list. Anna's song "Open Fire" by Silverchair. I don't know that I think one. I know that one. Okay, that was I. I was a big fan of that one. <laughs> of course you were. 
<laughs> you get what you give by the new radicals recently covered on the that's show that's matt's favorite song ever <laughs> nookie by limp biscuit Ooh. pretty fly for a white guy by offspring <laughs> bad touch by bloodhound gang and the aforementioned blink 182 with what's my age again that's pretty funny it's weird that I wouldn't have necessarily thought about like Limp Biscuit being in that mix. Among my world of people, there is this renewed hate for Limp Biscuit. Like, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't understand like where it came. Like, all of a sudden, every conversation I'm having, someone's talking shit on Limp Biscuit, and I kind of feel like that first album came out, and I kind of fell victim to like kind of liking it. Even a oh, three dollar bill, y'all's a good album, uh, and I'll stand by that. That's, <laughs> whether it's a good album that's up for debate but i still like kind of fell victim to it a little bit like i liked punk rock music but for some reason i saw them on warp tour that year and like whatever but i thought it was hilarious like i, I like so i looked into limp biscuit trying to figure out uh, he apparently fred durst was a neighbor of a friend of mine and he was telling me some stories about him but so i started to look into it a little bit i'm like what for some reason, I was like, what are Fred Durst's, like, political opinions and stuff? Because <laughs> I feel like they can't be good. But <laughs> but I will say that I looked into it, and I actually laughed out loud at a quote from Fred Durst about Trump, which it was not pro-Trump at all, which I was relieved, but... I thought it was so hilarious from the guy who sings like break stuff and stuff. This was a quote I found from Fred Durst. You have this wonderful opportunity to make our world better, Durst wrote. We unmistakably need a role model and leader for the now and the future. This isn't the way. <laughs> which I thought which I thought was such a like that's so weak for Fred Durst. That is like that is like wow, Fred Durst, you really you really put Trump on blast, man. <laughs> so, so here's the, here's the thing that because I, I did a little bit of researching on Limp Bizkit recently as well for some reason. Did you know that Limp Bizkit is currently in the middle of like their own little Chinese democracy thing going on, like Guns and Roses, where they've had an album that Fred Durst has just been holding up for like six years, trying to make it perfect. Really, and it's called Stampede of the Disco Elephants, which is definitely the name of an album that really needs to sound perfect yeah but like west borland like in an interview was like i don't know all i know is i recorded the guitar tracks in 2015 and fred's been doing his thing ever since <laughs> nice yeah it's good to know that fred durst was in the mix at this time and i didn't you know i don't think of them that's a band that i don't think of them as being so far in the rearview mirror like mm -hmm. they they stuck around for a while there but this is already nookie this is already like way after faith so yeah hey sometimes this stuff gets all mixed up mambo number five though they're right there man they're right there for the turn of the century and i think we got to make a decision based on digging deeper did lubega bring the one hit thunder or was this a one hit blunder i i don't know uh, let's start let's start with our guest tessa do you think that lubega deserved this hit do you think his catalog was worthy? Do you think that it was good that Lou Bega was taking up all those radio waves while there were thousands <laughs> upon thousands of super talented artists out there breaking their backs? Do you think that Lou Bega brought the thunder? <laughs> I'm going to preface my decision in saying I'm not going to go back and listen to his whole discography. Okay. But I, 
even just this morning, listened to Mambo number five probably five times in a row, and I was okay with that decision. So I'm going to say it's Thunder, man. I think he brought it. I The song is going to be, it's going to last. We're not going to get sick of it because it's just going to be a fun little addition and not be that annoying song that's played, you know, too many times at every single event. It'll be like that fun little one that pops in every now and then at a wedding. Okay. I respect that. What do you think, Matt? I mean, I actually have Lou Bega's Of course you so, do. Uh, of course you so, do. So, of course, it's the thunder for Jesus. me. Matt, what? I want to know what What don't you like? There's really... I, I hate saying this because it sounds cliche, but, like, outside of maybe, like, modern bro country, I have yet to find, like, a genre of music that I haven't found at least a handful of artists that I was really into. All right. So, you say, you say Lou Bega's thunder? Yeah, of course. I, I'm I'm the positive guy on the podcast. <laughs> um, I would say as far as novelty music goes, I did. I was dreading digging into this, and yeah, I didn't like any of his other songs. But Mama Number Five, once I put it on, I was like, okay, I actually don't completely hate this. This is this is okay. There there's a lot worse. There's a lot worse things that could be on, and. Also, when I dug a little deeper, he seemed like a pretty nice guy. <laughs> like, you know, didn't take himself too seriously. It's not like Lou Bega's like, oh, fuck Mambo number five. I, I wish people would respect me as an artist. He kind of knows what he is. And once again, I don't think I, I said this jokingly to you, Tessa. But in actuality, if it wasn't Mambo number five in all those spots on the radio or wherever exposure, it would have been some other dumb ass song. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I'll give him Thunder. I, I'll say Thunder, too. I think it's unanimous nice. that this this is a one hit Thunder. And Chris, this does have something that you've talked about before as being a thing that you like. Uh, or at least that you want to create for yourself. But this is a song that has instructions on how to do the dance in the lyrics. Uh, this is yeah. true. I don't know I if I'd really call it a dance, but I mean, there are instructions. Yeah. Yeah. You jump, you jump up and down and then you move it all around. Yeah. There's, there's a couple of other more specific things too, aren't there? Isn't there like, uh, shake your head to the sound, then put your hand on the ground. You take a step to the left and then one to the right, one to the front, but then one to the side, clap your hands once, then clap your hands twice. And if it looks like this, then you're doing it. Yeah, that's pretty specific. I never tried it. But so you jump up and down, move it all around, shake your head to the sound, put your hand on the ground. I mean, that's very think, specific. That's like. I think Chris Fafalio's Halloween party yeah. 2021, we got to get a whole room to do the Mambo number five. Yeah, so we're really holding on hopes that this Halloween party is going to happen in 2021. But uh, if it does, yeah, I mean, Mambo number five, is a, it's a possibility now. Yeah, yeah. All right. I hate to say it. This song's going to live on after we are gone. Oh, for sure. Tessa, before we go, you've got a podcast on the same network as ours. Yeah. So why don't you talk about Welcome. it real quick? Welcome to the <laughs> network. Thank you, guys. Yeah, we are Femme Regard Podcast, and we're a show all about independent filmmaking, everything from writers and actors and producers to the music side and the legal side and just everything in between. And we're on all the major platforms, including YouTube and now Geekscape with you guys. And yeah, we also are just on all the social medias, just at Femme Regard. So give us a follow. Hell yeah.
This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Fafalios of the band's Punchline Pack and Another Cheetah and produced by Matt Kelly of the Geekscape Network. Underneath me, you're hearing Just Say Yes off the Punchline album of the same name. Visit punchlion.com for more music and merch. If you have any interest in podcasting, visit weknowpodcasting.com for how Matt and Chris can make your show sound as professional as possible. Let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at onehitthunderpodcast at gmail.com and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. Tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.